Have you ever heard the expression, what's the tea? According to Urban Dictionary, it means when someone has gossip and you want to know every detail as soon as possible. So that's what this podcast is, spilling the tea on what it's like to have cancer or the big C as a young person in Northern Ireland. Recorded in 2022, two charities, Young Lives Versus Cancer and Cancer Fund for Children, have come together to talk about cancer services in Northern Ireland and share the stories of the young people and families we support. So I, I've never sort of felt really intense grief as what I feel like now for Rosie. Like Simon's dad passed away. February last, 2020, the same year as Ozzy, seven months apart, so, so like he lost his dad and his son within the same year. You know, is your grief different with Ozzy than what it was your dad as well? Of course, yeah. yeah. Even people people say to you, you know, well, you're talking to somebody like a stranger and you said, yeah, I lost my son like last year or whatever. I said, oh my God, I know exactly how you feel. I lost my father like two months ago and I'm thinking, you know, any grief is terrible, but I thought you have no idea. This conversation was between Miranda and Simon, who are the parents of Ozzy and Luke. Ozzy was diagnosed with cancer in 2018 and sadly died in 2021. Miranda and Simon share their experiences of parenting through cancer and bereavement. Just as a bit of a trigger warning, this conversation is about the death of a child, which you may find upsetting or distressing. Please note as well that any medical discussion in this recording is strictly to do with Aussie circumstances and will not be applicable to others. Where did the love story begin? Oh, at my work. Barclays Bank. Mm. November 1990. Took me to the cinema to watch Ghost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh! <Ooh. laughs> It was ghosts. We did go and see ghosts, uh-huh. but we were going to watch Ninja oh, Turtles. Ninja Turtles yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What? Ha- where did the change come from? That's quite a. I used to draw a lot. I was a security guard, and I drew a lot at work. Oh, wow. So I was drawing, and I actually drew a Ninja Turtle. And all of a sudden, this message had been written on my. Like she spoiled my picture. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you? <laughs> so I, I asked everybody, "Who's who's written? Who wrote this?" And then I found out it was Miranda, and then. I picked up my courage and I said, do you fancy going to watch Ninja Turtle? Because it was just on in the cinema for the first time. And then we went to go to watch Ninja Turtles and I think we'd actually missed it. So then we thought, let's go watch Ghost. Well, that was a little bit more romantic. (laughs) 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 Oh, I love that. That's so you guys. (laughs) Can't be. it went, love blossomed from there. Uh, Married in 94. Was he born here? No, he was born in Northampton, and we moved here when he was about six months old. Oh. So he never knew much of England. So. And when did Luke come along? 2007, January. It's a good job you're asking me, because Simon... <laughs> As I was saying, you do, I'm looking at I noticed you turned to me. <laughs> I could see you turned to me, and then went straight back to Miranda. <laughs> Don't worry, if I have any Ninja Turtle questions, yeah. I'll come to you soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we totally love it if you would maybe um, tell us a little bit about Ozzy, who he was at his core and uh, yeah, what he loved, what he was like. He was just, um, I wouldn't say a typical teenager these days because Ozzy loved to do stuff with us whereas Luke's totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you'd, if you'd said to Ozzy, oh, I'm going to walk, he says, oh, I'll come. Simon says, I'm going to sort of come. He always wanted to spend time with us and definitely wanted to spend time with his granny and granddad quite a bit, didn't he? Mm. 
Yeah, he liked adult company, didn't he? Yeah. So, but he liked his mates at school as well. Yeah. So you know, he enjoyed seeing a couple of videos of him crawling around the shop, like you know the clothes shop, crawling around like, come on guys, and they're crawling around on the floor, and I thought, what on earth are they doing on the video? But they were sort of playing some sort of soldiers in the in the middle of the shop. And this is where yeah. <laughs> I were like probably 14, 15 years old. We weren't like little. No, wasn't that in between his treatment as well or something? No. No, no, that was yeah. that was before he, he became ill. So, Ozzy loved his rugby. He loved guitar. He loved rock music. He loved concerts. Holidays. Holidays. Oh yeah, he's getting away. Going on holiday with with us. The four of us and then Nanny and Dave as well. They always used to take us away. They wouldn't go, well, Dave wouldn't go without us. Aww. So we always <laughs> ended up going with them. So Benador was a popular spot with them, weren't it? Mm -hmm. So we loved that. Even out there, he'd say, oh, we're going for a morning walk, me and Mum. I'll come. He'd come along mm -hmm. with us. Uh, no, he was very um, outgoing, sort of. Grown up. Yeah. He was quite grown up for his age, uh, wasn't he? Was he always like that from very young, or did it sort of come with his I don't think he went through that teenage thing, you know, where really? teenagers get a bit stroppy and, you know, I don't, he never had that, did he? No, he didn't. He was no, all, he wasn't moody or anything. Uh, he was always helpful. He'd make, he started making cooking, he was cooking his own food, and, and I mean, like, pasta dishes mm -hmm. and things like that, you know, he'd be making curries. And he wasn't one for going out, like, Socials or things like that. He just liked being at home, didn't he? Mm. Uh, in the homebird. Uh, he loved he loved going to the rugby on a Saturday, didn't he? And he loved watching Six Nations on the telly because it was always Wales. He would support Wales first, then Ireland, mm -hmm. then probably Scotland, <laughs> then England. <laughs> then it'd be England, even though he was born there, right, and then I? it'd be France <laughs> and Italy. So um, it was always. Well, she, he felt like he was born in Wales, but he wasn't born in Wales. And the strange thing is, he sounded Welsh sometimes. <laughs> it's because he probably got it off you. Maybe, mm. I don't know. He was always very good at accents. Oh. Yeah, mm. especially Borat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's too much telly. <laughs> uh, oh, he loved his PlayStation, didn't he? Mm -hmm. uh, Who did he get a sense of humour from? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky. <laughs> uh, Definitely, it was um, very mischievous sometimes. Mm. Do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about um, Ozzy's diagnosis and how that came about and what life was like for you guys after that? Um, I remember the night because I took him to the hospital and I took him to the doctors that morning because he'd been poorly two or three weeks before and one of the doctors said it was glandular fever give him antibiotics, he hadn't got over it. I remember taking him to school and telling him, off, come on, was you shake yourself up a bit? You know, what's wrong with you? And he was going, I don't know what's the matter with me. So I went, he went to school and I felt guilty that I shouted at him. So then I rang the doctor to see if I'd get him in to see, see someone. So they got him in that straight away that day, half 10 in the morning, took him over. And he was as pale as anything and the doctor sort of looked at him and could probably see that, you know, something needed to be done. So he wanted to take bloods and Ozzy was like nearly passing out of him trying to get this blood out of him and it was the most minute amount of blood that he did get and, he, and the doctor kept saying to me, well, it's too late now because the bloods have gone off but it'd be, if if anything it'll be out, the out, out of hours doctor ringing you. 
So he kept saying it, he kept saying to it, and I just left there and I dropped Ozzy back at home and went to work. Not thinking nothing of it, thinking, oh, you know, he'll get, get over whatever he's got. And then I'd went to gym in Makara and come back home and Simon was straight out of the car, where you been, where you been? You've got to take Dr. Ozzy to the hospital. And that was it, it was like, what? I was on the phone to Dalriada then, weren't I, and trying to get some sense out of them. And, Dave come over and then Tanya come over, my friend from Curran, because like we had Luke and we was thinking what, what's going to happen now and so I ended up taking Ozzy down, well he was answering first and then um, I think the doctor ran back or someone ran back, no no you got, you, I think it was you Simon, did you ring back, you got taken to Belfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd never been, didn't even realise there was a hospital down in Belfast with children. So I ended up going down there and when we got there to the children's, they asked the age, and I said he's 15. No, no, you need to take him over to the um, the adults. So we went to adults, and we were sat there for ages and ages, and got through to the uh, triage, and then got through to the ED part where he's laying on a bed, and I think they took more bloods, and then they come back, and then doctor broke the news. So that was like two o'clock in the morning. They were just saying about that on, just recently about people getting diagnosed in ED, ED didn't they? Mm-hmm. So I was one of those. So then it was shipped over to the children's. And the first thing one of the nurses said, where have you been? We've been waiting on you. Mm-hmm. But they had, no one had said at the reception of accident emergency. So and I didn't know to ask for haematology. That would probably give it away straight away, do you know what I mean? Definitely. So, that was it. I never slept with that night. My heart was pounding. I could see the fear in his face before he left because I, said, yeah, I had that, upstairs, I had that phone call and he was already getting a little bit nervous about it and he got up and he just, I think he just knew what was wrong. He said, I've got cancer or something and he just gave me the big hug as he was leaving and I, the fear in him, mm-hmm. he could just feel it coming through his body like I thought, no, you're going to be all right, you're going to be all right, don't worry. Mm-hmm. And then he went with you, didn't he? Yeah. But you could see the fear in him. I could feel it. Yeah. Just. Um, as we were getting near Belfast, travelling down, I had that thought come over me. I bet he's got leukaemia. Did you? Uh, and then got told the next day, doctor, by a doctor. But you're in a daze. You're in mm-hmm. a daze being in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably blinkers on and switched off by that time, haven't you? And you, you I never even noticed what ward were we on when we, they took us to the ward. Yeah. Uh, and how long were you on the ward for after that? Uh, that was like, we didn't get out till January, beginning of January. Uh, it was, he was very sick that time, sepsis and blood counts wouldn't come up, his neutrophils wouldn't come up and he never reached remission. So, he had heart problems from the chemo. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, I suppose when you look back now, you know, it was touch and go, but at the time you, you never think that never crosses your mind, how seriously ill they are. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you probably don't want to take it in or believe it. Mm-hmm. There was probably times I would lay over in Paul's house, crying and thinking the worst and, you know, try and get it out of my head. 
no, no, he's going to be this, he's going to be this. Yeah. Oh. And were you able to, um, like, come down to the hospital pretty quickly, Simon, if it, Miranda, you had, were in with Ozzy initially? And then you were down the next morning, weren't you? Yeah. Was I with you for a week? And then I thought, I'll probably have to keep working here. And I, I went back to work, didn't I? Yeah. Wow. You were travelling back and forward, weren't you? Yeah. But I think there was somebody off on holiday and I said, right, I'll, I'll do his run locally. Not locally, but a shorter distance across mm -hmm. the water. And I thought, if, if that's a bit easier, and I was leaving at like midnight, crossing over to Scotland, down to Bradford, then coming back, on a, you know, driving all night. Well, you sleep over then the day and then come back the next night. And then um, I was arriving in the hospital in the morning and then I was coming down to you and then you were going over to sleep and then I was awake all day and then I was running down to the lorry having a sleep down by the, fall, uh, the balls and the falls having about two hours, three hours before having to wake up and go on the boat again to do the same trip all over again. And then I thought, I can't, well, you said you can't do this. It was about two weeks. And yeah, you, you, you couldn't stay awake day and night. Mm -hmm. And then I was obviously not getting much sleep. Yeah. So then I, I stopped working and then sort of did shift work. Yeah. It's a bit easier. I was, yeah. you were doing, well, you were doing nights or days. You were doing nights to start You preferred to be in there at night, didn't you? Yeah. And then you were going away and I was staying in the daytime. I don't know how I did it, to be honest, but as I say, it's... You're thinking of right. You have to carry on working mm -hmm. up until a point where you think, well, this, this, you just can't do this. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to sleep, and you, the only way we could do it was by doing sort of like a shift pattern, a day and a night, and you know, it's just impossible. You're, you're on sick pay, weren't you? Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people find it okay. You know, some people can stay there day and night to themselves, mm -hmm. but I suppose it depends on what what their child is actually going through, and you know, is their child sleeping through the night and mm -hmm. You know, it's just different circumstances. wasn't working for us. So. I always think now, like, how them parents cope on their own during COVID. It was just one person and a child. Mm. That must have been brutal for them to cope with that. Yeah, so what year was this for you? So this is like pre-COVID? This is, yeah, pre-COVID. This is 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. After relapse, like when Aussie relapsed in 2020, that was locked down then. So that was just me, weren't it? Yeah. Up on the ward. That was that allowed first to visit. time, weren't it? Mm. And you were allowed to visit. And then the next time he went in, you went with him for a week, remember, over the cancer centre. Yeah. So I was just that exhausted. Mm. It was just mentally and physically draining being up there in the hospital. And then um, he came over. Home after the week, didn't he? Yeah. That was July. That's when he found his friend had passed away. Mm -hmm. So he just wanted out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. So he came home then, and then I went back with him for the last time in the August, August the 5th. I think he had an idea what was maybe coming because they were in contact quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And as I say, his friend was telling him everything. What, what they'd been through and then um, he was obviously thinking and I know that medication that you've just told me about and I'm on that mm -hmm. and I think that was playing on his mind that I kept saying you know just stay positive stay positive and he did and then he started getting a lot of milk didn't he he was drinking a lot of milk <laughs> and then obviously milkshakes and everything but actually realizing at the time we probably weren't doing him any good and the doctors told him that you need to stop drinking because he was actually filling himself up with fluid mm -hmm. 
and they should have been taking the fluid out of him, but they didn't get rid of the fluid off of off the lungs, and that's because he had pneumonia. <coughs> and then obviously his breathing was getting harder and harder, as he was probably drinking more and more, trying to get stronger and stronger to fight it. But actually, it was working in a reverse. Yeah. He shouldn't have been drinking at all. Yeah. I do remember him downing the milk as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So he was doing him good, giving him a wee yeah. bit of fat and energy. And well, he hadn't eaten, had he, for maybe a, a couple of weeks or you know, a week or two or whatever. <coughs> so he thought, you know, I need to start getting strong again. Mm-hmm. And that's where he thought, I can drink the milk, I can handle this. Mm-hmm. And then he was having yogurts, you know, and I don't know, McFlurries or whatever was coming through the door. But mm-hmm. So then gradually he just got, just drowned and drowned, drowned himself. Which was horrific to say. But then, um, as soon as he sort of passed away, that was me and Simon just in the room with another sister. Mm. I remember distinctly saying to Simon, <clears throat> apologising to him. And he just wanted to get out of there. He thought, I need to, need to get out of here. Mm. And we sort of had to leave sort of Aussie behind just to get out of that place. We didn't want to stay there any longer. Yeah, of course. So he felt guilty at the same time, but then he wanted out. He thought, I just want to get out of this hellhole. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't the place for us to be. Mm-hmm. So. Looking back now, we should stay a bit longer with it. I just want you down with it. Yeah. Just an incredible amount of conflicting emotions. I said to Simon that night he died that I was sorry, I neglected. No. Neglected, sorry. It's all in the past. Wouldn't matter to me. He did the right thing. Mm-hmm. I know from diagnosis. To a, probably at least a year after, I, we were like, Living separate lives, sort of thing, but living it for Aussie. Just, just what you do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You do, you do it for your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're in an impossible situation. I mm-hmm. An impossible situation. Aussie was like the focus, and nothing else mattered. Mm-hmm. I hardly thought about Lou, really. Yeah, but everybody else can manage. Do you know what I mean? It was Aussie that was struggling. Yeah. Luke was. Luke not was knowing because right, he was at my mum's. Yeah, and he wasn't he, struggling, was he? So he, you know, he knew what was going. Had a rough idea what was going on, but he was being looked after, mm. and we were doing our best to look after Ozzy, and you know, in, in the hardest situation he'd ever been in. Yeah, we'd all been in. Yeah, and can I just say thank you so much for being so open and mm-hmm. vulnerable because it's so hard. Um, I suppose the emotions will always be so raw mm. and um, you know the death the death of a child is out of tune with nature you know it's not um, it, it goes against the natural order of life and I think is arguably the most complicated grief someone could experience and while there might be general themes of, of grief people will cope differently with that as well and um, and there's so much reflection involved, and you can almost persecute yourself with that reflection. Oh, definitely. 
Like, oh, I've had loss, Simon's had loss. Like, oh, I lost my dad 2011. And I don't even think I really grieved that much because I weren't as close to him. And so I, I've never sort of felt really intense grief as what I feel like now for Rosie. But Simon's dad passed away. February last, 2020, the same year as Ozzy, seven months apart. So, so like, he lost his dad and his son within the same year. You know, is your grief different with Ozzy than what it was your dad as well? Of course, yeah. yeah. Even people people say to you, you know, well, you're talking to somebody like a stranger and you said, yeah, I lost my son like last year or whatever. I said, oh my God, I know exactly how you feel. I lost my father like two months ago. And I'm thinking... You know, any grief is terrible, but I thought you have no idea. I mean, I've lost my parents, aunties and uncles and everything. And as you're saying, losing a child is it's on another level. You, if you're just saying that, you have no idea, absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, and people don't have any idea. They think you should get over it. You think probably people think Miranda, Miranda, it's been a year. You you should have got over this by now, but you you're never going to get over it. It's something that you carry with you. For the rest of your life, you know. Mm, absolutely. It gets easier, obviously, but it's it's something you'll never ever forget about. Whereas, like maybe your parents, you might go six months, seven months, maybe a year or so later on, and mm. you know you might think about them, but you might not get upset about them. Mm. But even a year down the line, now you can you can pretty much cry every day. Do you mind if I ask um, how? or what your experience was or how you found like the early stages of grief so there's an element of I suppose planning in that period of time you know you're looking at a funeral and you're you know I suppose like over here probably not saying why I was either you die one day you you can be buried within three days which is really quick compared Mm -hmm. to what they would be in England Mm -hmm. I don't know which is because you don't really have a lot of time to really sort of plan it, do you? No. But it was was like <coughs> planning was easy because funeral director sorted all that out. And but it was a bit longer because of the COVID, wasn't it? It didn't. It took yeah, longer. He was being cremated. Yeah, so. that took longer. Yeah. So. But, um, well, the intake was very good and. We're not linked to any church. We've never been to church over here, apart from weddings or funerals. And there was a, a reverend in um, a minister in Mum's village who offered straight away to do the service. She'd actually lost a child to leukaemia herself. Years past, so she was sort of reaching out as a mummy as well as a minister. She was really lovely as well with the helping. Um, I didn't bring Ozzy home for the for any sort of way because it was COVID as well. I think this, this restrictions were easing a wee bit, but also in a way, I thought it unsettled Luke. Mm. In a wake, you don't really have them in England. Wakes are different over here, like everybody comes in. I probably wouldn't have wanted everybody coming through the door either. I think it would have been it would have been unsettling for Luke, I think. My mother's funeral was a bit like that though. There was quite a few people that came around the house. 
But she wasn't there, was she? Hmm. I don't remember. I don't think, no. She wasn't there, but a lot of people came around, didn't yeah. they? Around. But that's normal non-Covid times, but we only yeah. had a few people befriending Curran and yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm. But we had sort of a wake in the funeral parlour where people came to pay their respects. So that, that, was, that was nice. That was mostly all of his young friends. She must have been a lot hard on them as well. That 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 went pretty quick. That sort of time from when he passed to when he got cremated, and I don't think I would have done anything different, to be honest. Just do your best, don't you? Do you try yeah, and do your best? What he would have wanted is not as if no. he did say to me. The only thing he said was when his friend passed away, and it was the day of his friend's funeral. We'd watched a bit online, and then we went over to Ballerone, and we'd sat at Ballerone lot and the lot there. And he just turned around and said to me, "I don't want a big fuss at my funeral, Mum." I said, "Okay," and that's all we spoke about. That was the end of conversation. So. Did he think he was dying then? I don't know. I didn't ask him. I didn't ask him what he would have liked. He never told us, he never spoke about no. whether he wanted buried, cremated or scattered in Wales or just, just done, done things we thought he would have wanted. What he would have chose, I think. Yeah. yeah. The only thing about the funeral, I would say, was the worst part of that day was having to leave him at the door of the Rose Lawn mm-hmm. and some stranger walked him down the aisle to the plinth. That was hard just watch it on a screen. You just think, why couldn't they just let... There was only me, Simon, and my mum there. Yeah, and they met us at the door anyway, Uh, so you might as well say, well, you might as well walk all the way down to the bottom. (laughs) That was ridiculous. Yeah. There you go. Uh, And I suppose coming home to, after that event, because from when he passed to that, again, you're living in a bubble. You don't believe it's true. I suppose from then on it was the heartache and the grieving and the crying and... The I suppose you think, did that just actually happen? Woke, you know, yes. awake all night and... Just zombie. Still think he's going to walk to the door now? Uh, I say that all the time. Do you mind me asking, you said when, I think it was coming towards the end, that you were just focused on him, you weren't thinking about Simon, you weren't thinking about Luke. Uh When did you guys, when did that, when did you come back together? It was probably about a year after. after I was going to say jokingly then, we haven't. (laughs) 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 I don't know. I imagine an intense grief like that is, you are a zombie, you're not thinking about Uh, it, you're you're in survival mode at that stage. Like I said, the first thing I said to him, I apologised for like pushing him away. That was like almost instantly after. Yeah, after Ozzy passed, it was an instant reaction, thinking, oh my God, I just lost him, I'm going to lose him now. Wow, yeah. Because I've pushed him away that much. And that never crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah. mm. I'll say it took like, I'm not ashamed to admit, we have separate rooms. Um, 
He's glad because I snore. Not <laughs> <laughs> really, but like he wouldn't believe. But um, but we've had separate rooms since Ozzy was when Ozzy got home from hospital. You were sleeping on the landing. I was sleeping on the landing floor next to Ozzy's bedroom because I just wanted to be close. The front bedroom was there, but it was like a, a tip and it hadn't been decorated. So I used to just get a mattress every day, put it on the floor every night, duvet on top and sleep outside his room. Um, I would have slept in the room if he'd have let me. But I slept outside. So I think from then on, Simon done the room up and then ended up just moving in that room and stayed in there ever since. I don't know whether it's to still be close to the room and be close to Luke. Well, Luke doesn't know, actually. Luke was with his friends the other night and Miranda slept in Luke's bed for two nights, which was Ozzy's bed. Ah. Yeah. So been, she's, <laughs> she's been... She's been dying to get back in that bed <laughs> because it was Ozzy's. Just to lie where Ozzy lay. Yeah. So, that, you know, that was only a couple of nights ago. Yeah. So, just things like that. You just... Just want to um, do... I don't think it's... Just uh, help you, I suppose. And I keep seeing the guitars hanging on the wall, untouched. <laughs> I tu- I've tuned them up, but they sat there and mm. just hoping that Luke was going to pick them up, maybe. But mm. And he does guitar lessons at school, doesn't he? Mm. But he still doesn't play when he comes home. And Ozzy couldn't wait to pick them. I suppose they yeah. think they're Ozzy's, they're Ozzy's guitars. He's got his own one there to play. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the, f- the first weeks is hard, and then the dreams you have are really bizarre. And I remember one dream I had, Ozzy was in the room next to me. He was just walking away, just turned around to walk away and he had his Metallica war jacket on and he was just walking away. I remember that dream. Um, The dream I had where he said about the young boy on the ward hadn't been fed. And then podcast a couple of weeks later. Mm -hmm. And... I had a dream that Saturday night, wasn't it? I think you said it was, yeah. It was in the woods. And um, I was walking with me. And was telling me, oh, don't be sad, don't be sad. I'm all right, blah, blah. And um, all of a sudden it was... He looked around and he could see someone coming and then we just ran off. And I think it was someone to come and get him to take him back. That's me thinking, oh, I didn't want to go back. I had a strange one as well. Right at the, I think it might have been the first night or the first week home. You know when you close your eyes at a night time, when you close them tight and you're in a dark room, you see like stars, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're all these little stars. I closed my eyes like that and all the stars in my eyes just gradually turned into like Aussie in wow. stars, but then it turned completely into like a video. I was just, you know, they'd gone from stars completely into a video of Ozzy in hospital in his bed. And obviously the, the last moment, mm. but it had turned from as a speckly stars just in your eyes into a, a, a vivid video yeah. as if I was watching a video. Like it was just so strange because I couldn't believe I was watching. And even though I opened my eyes and it was still pitch black, I closed them again and went straight back wow. to the video. Whether it was my eyes or my head working. Magic, I suppose you could call it, just to see it. I don't know. Just Do you find those dreams like comforting, or um, are they ins- unsettling, or is it both? Or don't find them unsettling. But... No, I, I, I find a comfort in thinking, oh, he's trying to come back and say, you know, 
say something to you. I've woke up where I've heard mum in my ear, but whether it's me dreaming. <coughs> well, you've already believe what you wanted to be. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's your imagination and what you really long for, isn't it? Mm. I've never had any bad dreams about it. Do you, would you say that you guys um, like cope quite differently? Yeah, no, I'm more open about it. I talk about my feelings more or post about them more. Mm. Some was quite private like that. Mm. I don't know what, I suppose I do it in a way not to pre-warn people, just, but just to... Explain to people what, you, what you're like and yeah, what you're feeling, yeah. how what, you are feeling. What it's like and... Because people have no idea. No. They think they do, but they have no idea. You want to try and keep their memory alive somehow. Yeah, you try and tell people that I'm, I am, I'm still normal. You can still say to me what you like to you're say to me. Like, you're not the person yeah. you was before diagnosis. No, no. You're not that same person. No, you're never going to be the same same person. But you 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 still are in a sense, but not. You know, you're still Miranda, and you'll still have that laugh that you had with other people, and you can still talk about the same things that you talked about. But people don't seem to think that they can. So they tend to just close it away, like that, that girl we were telling you about with the knock on the door. She had a friend, seen her walking up the street, and a friend actually crossed over the road, and they seen each other just so that she didn't have to confront her. And, and that's what I think people do in a... Have you experienced any <coughs> My working environment's, I suppose, different. I'm, I don't go into town like maybe Miranda would. She, she's in work and things, and... I suppose she's been to see friends and everything. But the first day I started work, because I hadn't worked, obviously, for like two and a half years, I went to work in Makarala. And I didn't know at the time, but it was the boss's son. And he introduced himself and everything. And he said, why why have you changed your job? You know, he said, you, you're driving. And I thought, do I really want to explain to you why I've changed my job? And I thought, right, I'm going to go and tell you. And I just said, well, obviously I was driving. And uh, I told him I'd lost my son, and I started crying. And he like looked at me as if to say, maybe I shouldn't have asked that question, but it was a, a normal question to ask. And I thought, I'll try and be truthful. And now every time I speak to him, it's easier. But then when I speak to somebody new that, that doesn't know about Ozzy, then it can be just as sort of heartbreaking as I spoke to that other person the first time. So it's every time you talk to a new person, it's back to that sort of hard stage again. And then once you spoke to them and got that, broke the ice, it's it's a bit easier, I think, after that, talking to them. Mm. You feel more freely, but just easier to talk to, I think. Mm. I'd say my relationship with my mum hasn't changed much. But, um, well, she misses Ozzy desperately. But Dave, it's hard to speak to Dave, isn't it? Hard to speak to Dave about Ozzy. Yeah. Under normal circumstances, he's, he's okay. You can, can chat, talk to chat, him. chat, but as soon as you say Ozzy's name, that's it. Yeah. He's torn, isn't he? He's just pieces. Mm. Which then makes you sad. Mm. 
He doesn't do it on purpose, does he? No, no, no. And he thinks a lot of Luke, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He wants Luke to come out of himself a bit more because Luke's very shy. Mm. I think he wants Luke to come out of his shell to be a bit more approachable like Ozzy. Ozzy was more approachable and say he was more talkative to adults where Luke is very quiet. And I think Dave wants him to be more like Ozzy. He doesn't want him to be Ozzy because he knows he's not Ozzy, but he wants him to be Luke and come out, come out of his shell and talk to him a bit more. And, but then Luke's probably grieving as well. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't know what is going on in his little head because he don't talk much, does he? It's yeah. about how he feels. But his friends are stuck yeah, by it, him. It was, it will um, talk affectionately about Ozzy. Yeah. Do you? But his friends of uh, Ozzy's friends have uh, have taken Luke under their wing, mm. which is good. Checking on him. Now. Which is nice. They yeah. take him out now and again, you know. And it would have been Ozzy going out, but now <laughs> they they pick Luke up. They're looking, looking after him. Yeah. Ozzy, that definitely always uh, struck a lot of us that Ozzy definitely had remarkable friends, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and as you say, yeah. um, really looked out for Luke, which is like Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. 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 They had their arguments, Luke and Ozzy, you know, but that's just boys. So. Teenagers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they, you know, they, they did have a bond, I think. Simon, you'd either touched on it earlier or maybe in a conversation we had about how it's difficult sometimes for siblings because they don't see everything that's going mm. on and they don't see yeah. the hospital rooms and the hear the conversations and sometimes you have to, you know, you can make up your own stories in your head of what's happening and yeah. it's, I suppose that's even getting back to what we said earlier, it's an impossible situation for you all to be in and everyone is just trying their best. And mm. Journey and adolescence in the middle of that as well. Yeah. And COVID as well. COVID, yeah. yeah. And people don't see it. You know, you want you here one minute, it's just like Aussies here one minute, and then all of a sudden the whole family's just gone, yeah. you've all gone to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And people are getting in touch with you asking what's going on. But in in theory, you don't really know what's going on because yeah. you're still learning the whole thing yourself. But you tell them, oh, no, no, he's doing okay, he's doing okay. <laughs> You don't know really, is he doing okay? In your mind, he's doing okay, but you don't really know. And, but people don't know. You know, it's you go into your own little bubble, and that's it. You're just in your own bubble on your own. You have to deal with yourself. So nobody else can help you. You get friends that can maybe try and pull you through, uh, and you know who you are. <laughs> uh, yes. I, don't, I don't know what Aussies. The whole journey would have been like if it weren't for you and Hannah. Because he enjoyed their company, didn't he? Yeah. He enjoyed going out for the little milkshakes that you <laughs> took him on. Here, he enjoyed when he, remember when he fell out of the hammock? Remember he had yeah. the hammock? And uh -huh. yeah. When he fell out of it, and I was like, <gasps> Let's not tell anyone about that. And then the kid would just laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> and the time you got locked in the car park. Yeah. Oh my God, do you remember that? That's not really. <laughs> it took video of you. myself very well here. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it took video of you. <laughs> oh man. I, know. Uh, I did have people asking me, say, oh, who's that young lady Ozzy was with the other night? I said, well, I can't tell you that. I'd have to kill you if I tell you. 
Also, because Ozzy yeah. was always was so tall and looked like a man, so yeah. Uh, yeah. out cruising in the car. Uh, exactly, there was always probably some <coughs> looks we got. So uh, oh, he loved his car, didn't he? Oh, well. he did. He loved his car. He loved putting on those accents. Um, guys, please tell everyone about Ozzy's Make a Wish. Oh yeah, that was. Uh, and how it happened. But he was in hospital, wasn't he? I bet he was meant to go and see Metallica, wasn't he, in Slane? Yeah, you know. And they became quite sick, you know, and he was unable to go, and he knew he wouldn't go. I said, go on, you can come. Surely you, you can get down there and, and see Metallica. And he just knew, no, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to risk it. He said, Luke will go with you anyway. And I said, all right, Luke can come. And then he was in the hospital, wasn't he, and he decided he was going to go and make a wish. And that's And he was in a wheelchair at the time. And he made that wish, and uh, he just told him, you know, can I, I'll ask him, can I go to see Metallica in Munich? The wish maker came in, didn't they? Yeah, they came the in. hospital to see. To see uh, and he wasn't even sure whether he was going to be able to go to that or not, because he was so weak and, as I say, sick. And he was having his neck, wasn't he, cut open yeah, with the, the, the glands were being, he had you know, swelling and whatever in his glands. And even when we arrived in Munich after making his wish, uh, Lars, the drummer from Metallica, asked him, um, where would you like to sit? You know, because he, he thought he was in a wheelchair. He was going to arrive in a wheelchair. He said, I noticed you have like no wheelchair or anything. He said, where do you want to sit? And he says, do you want to go in the stands? He says, do you want to, do you want to go, would you like to go in the snake pit? And <laughs> he turned straight to Miranda and went, snake pit? Can I go in? <laughs> Can I, can I go in the snake pit, Mum? Yeah. And that was it. We were all in the snake pit. immune system. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, Miranda, watched the whole concert from lying down on the stage, yeah. uh, underneath the big screens, looking at the the, every, the whole them. audience. Yeah. <laughs> Eighty odd thousand people. Well, that, that was his best. That was his. You probably had the what, best what view. He said, best, best day, day of his life. Best day of his life. Yeah. Yeah. It was, wasn't it? So glad he had the opportunity to do that. A big thank you to Miranda and Simon for sharing with us today and a huge happy heavenly birthday to Ozzy. We also want to thank the National Lottery Community Fund for funding this podcast as part of our Together We Thrive project, enabling us to share these stories. For further information on bereavement support in Northern Ireland, please check out the description of this podcast episode. We hope you enjoyed the tea.